Hello and welcome. Hop on into our Hot Oven Time Machine, the podcast where we dive into the history of baking and try out recipes past and present. My name's Joseph, a master amateur baker. And my name is Monty, a master baker in training. (laughs) Oops, did we get the scripts mixed up? Uh Uh-oh. Just kidding, I'm Monty. And I'm Joseph, the master amateur baker. And I'm the master amateur baker in training. I feel like we keep adding words every time we say it. Yeah, for me, it's master baker in training, right? Yes. Okay. I feel like the the word amateur was supposed to be in there. but Maybe Maybe this time we can throw in the phrase avant-garde, since today (laughs) is a very special anniversary. Oh, wee wee. And we're going to be talking about France and things in France. Mm-hmm. But before we before we hop into that, how are you doing today, Monty? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Had a had a long day at work, my my day job. But yeah, I'm off now. Sipping some coffee. About to hop in our time machine and do some traveling and exploring. Woohoo! Yeah, I've had way too much caffeine today. I don't know if you can tell. And yesterday, too. I forgot to make my coffee this morning. Oh. Well, slash... You didn't wake up in time. Yeah, I didn't wake up in time. So, no coffee for me. Figured. So it was was a slow morning until I woke up. But I have the coffee now, so everything's fine. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Anyway. So let's hop on into our time-traveling oven to travel back to Paris in 1887. We're going to talk a little bit about the Eiffel Tower, whose anniversary we're celebrating today. Uh, I guess the technical anniversary is the completion date, uh, Mm -hmm. since it took two years to build. Uh, So I guess it's the completion of, or maybe it was the public unveiling Memorial Day of the Eiffel Tower. Either way, we're celebrating the Eiffel Tower today. Oui, oui, baguette Eiffel Tower. Oh. <laughs> and that's the only thing I can say in a French accent. I can't say anything in a French accent. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to choke a lot. <laughs> Out of context, that could be. Anyway. Uh, speaking of choking, no. <laughs> the french like to i don't know there's nothing there the french are kinky i guess (laughs) that's what people say france was planning a world's fair for the centennial of the french revolution and they were looking for a suitable centerpiece attraction for the entrance to the fair the location of the fair was to be held on the Champ de Mars, a public green space named after the fields of Mars from ancient Rome. The Champ de Mars was an important location to hold the centennial celebration since 100 years prior, it was a location often used for public displays, festivals, the first Bastille Day celebration, and eventually public executions during the Reign of Terror. Woohoo! While words like public executions and reign of terror don't sound like reasons for celebration, let's dig into some contextual history for a moment. So we're going to walk back into our time machine. We're, we're going to go from 1887 back to 1787. 
turning the dials. All right, I got 1789. And just get some things adjusted here. That was me hitting Off the, we go. the button. <laughs> <laughs> While much has been written on the French Revolution and their various, uh, you know, not everything is, we've got the basics covered history-wise of what happened, you know, mm-hmm. not everything is completely settled, but we're not going to dig into a comprehensive overview of the French Revolution because we're, we're just going for some light context. Yeah. So we're, we're just going to cover some of the basics here real quick. We like to keep it light on here. Yeah, don't, don't want to get too deep, but uh, the context is important. Yeah. Before the revolution took place, France was ruled under a feudal monarchy led by King Louis XVI. Unfortunately, King Louis had a lot of problems on his hands. It was the Age of Enlightenment, so the French people were starting to really like the ideas of liberty and constitutional governments established by the citizens instead of a feudal system perpetuated by the nobility and the clergy. Speaking of the nobility and clergy, France was having a little bit of an income problem since those two classes, referred to as the first and second estates, were exempt from paying taxes, and the third estate, the regular French citizens, were suffering from extreme poverty and high tax rates. Love social classes. Desperate to try to resolve these issues, King Louis called the Estates General, an assembly that represented the three main portions of the French population the aforementioned first, second, and third estates. Unfortunately, due to its archaic rules, even though there were more members of the third estate, each estate was only allowed to cast a single vote, which meant the regular French people would always be outvoted by the nobles and the clergy. Rigged government systems to keep the rich and powerful in charge? Extreme disproportions of income and not taxing the rich? What is this, modern-day USA? (laughs) I was just thinking, (laughs) God, and I thought we were bad. (laughs) But you know what? The plucky third estate decided, screw this, we'll start our own new assembly. And so they declared themselves the new Sovereign General Assembly, in time setting up the National Convention, whose first order of business was creating a new constitution for France and dismantling the monarchy to be replaced by a republic. While all this was happening, uh, Louis XVI thought it would be a good idea to try to sneak out of the country and just kind of, you know, wash his hands of it and not let this be his problem anymore. Sounds oddly familiar. uh, He was caught. Uh, And then he was charged with treason and executed via guillotine. Yes! Guillotine! The most exciting way to execute people. (laughs) Now, I know I mentioned the Reign of Terror earlier, and unfortunately this is a very dark aspect of the revolution. Mm -hmm. There are many dark aspects, but just a quick note on the Reign of Terror. Maximilian Robespierre, who was a leading figure in the revolution, came to lead the newly formed government for a time. Unfortunately, he began to become a little paranoid about counter-revolutionaries, and things got a little out of hand rather quickly, and he had about 15,000 people executed at the guillotine. Over a one-year period. That That's a little extra. Um... You know, the... the, the they're going hard in the paint about trying to get rid of the monarchy and ensure a democratic republic for all, but then <laughs> paranoia got a little out of hand. And, yeah, uh, and I mean, I'd say they did it, but... Uh, they did it, but... Uh, a little too <laughs> much. Uh, after the country started to stabilize from the revolution, uh, Robespierre's actions were deemed just a, just a bit too extreme. A bit. 
And uh, he himself was executed via guillotine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for for a while there, it did seem like just uh, any problem they had, just just fix it with the guillotine. Just. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoy uh, the French's like commitment to yeah, a guillotine. They, they went all in on the guillotine. Like they, yeah. they 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 started using it, and they're like. We like this. <laughs> We're not going to stop anytime soon. Now, this is not a uh, comprehensive uh, telling of the revolution, but you know, just just a little bit of like what the revolution, you know, how it started and what it led to. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are just the highlights of the events that started the revolution. Over the next century, France and its citizens would make great strides to enact a fair democracy for all of its peoples, as well as promoting science and the arts. It was these ideals that were to be celebrated at the 1889 World's Fair in France. We've come full circle. We've come full circle. You like how I did that there? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, just, just some other quick random notes and facts that I found while while researching this. Uh, you know, there was the Revolutionary Period, and they set up the first uh, French Republic. Unfortunately, that lasted roughly ten years until Napoleon Bonaparte took over, mm-hmm. and that's when the first French Empire uh, was started. So they kind of backslid a little bit into it wasn't quite a monarchy, but you know. And went yeah. from republic to empire. And then after Bonaparte was uh, dealt with and deposed, uh, they tried to bring back King Louis's brothers to run the second French empire, and that didn't last very long. Uh, that, that lasted maybe through the 18, maybe 30s or 40s. I don't quite remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Just for some more fun facts. Uh, eventually they did wind back up. Uh, the, the, they were kind of swinging wildly from two extremes, and they mm-hmm. finally like, sort of equalized on... Republic. Yeah. Took them a while, but they got there. Yeah. Now let's calmly walk back into our hot oven time machine, and we're going to click the return button to take us right back to, to 1887. Mm-hmm. And enter Gustave Eiffel and his company, the... And there's a lot of French words here, and I'm going to try my best. His company, the Compagnie des Establishments Eiffel. Monty is smirking at me. <laughs> Essentially, Gustav Eiffel uh, owned a engineering and building company. Okay. And it's literally just called Company of Establishments. Oh, okay. Of Eiffel. <laughs> fair, fair. Pretty straightforward name. Yeah. While it's Eiffel's name on the tower, it was actually designed by two senior engineers at the company, Maurice Coetlin and Emile... Sylvestre? No. Nougay. Oh, Nougier? Nougier. Nougier. Yeah, Nougier. Nougier. Emile Nougier. With further design embellishments provided by the head of architectural design, Stephen Salvestre. There's a way more French way of saying it, but I could not make my mouth make those sounds. Yeah, it's a little (laughs) difficult. I took French and it didn't go well. Monty shared a video with me that has made the rounds on the internet years previously. It was uh, French people attempting to say English words. And uh, now I don't feel so bad about attempting to say French words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're very different. The original design was just the wrought iron structure, based more on engineering principles than aesthetics. Salvestre contributed to the design by adding decorative arches to the base of the tower, a glass pavilion on the first level, as well as other embellishments. Uh, Over time, they also added some uh, 
elevators that went from the uh, ground floor or you know base of the tower mm-hmm. up to the first floor, and then further elevators from there to the second floor. Uh, it was a little bit longer after the tower opened before they were able to create an elevator that took you all the way to the top. Yeah. At least you didn't have to walk all of that. Which, the reason uh, it was difficult to uh, create elevators, or lifts, as the Europeans might call them, (laughs) in 1887, uh, is because the Eiffel Tower is 324 meters tall, or an American, 1,063 feet tall. Oh. It became the tallest man-made structure in the world upon completion, edging out the previous title holder, the Washington Monument. Which I felt a little sad about the Washington Monument. Looking this up, it only held the title for like 10 years before the Eiffel Tower came in and just stole it. (laughs) Yeah, I assumed it would... I was like, "Uh, months? (laughs) Weeks? Hold on, I have to... Okay, so I don't remember... I was very young when we went to Washington, D.C. So um, I have to compare the Eiffel Tower to the Empire State Building. There's a fun picture on the, uh, I believe it's the Wikipedia page for the Eiffel Tower, where uh, it was the original sketch for the tower, Mm -hmm. and then uh, they drew other landmarks to scale, like, stacked on top of each other Mm. to, like, equal the height, and and it had things, like, including, uh, like, Notre Dame and, like, the Statue of Liberty, like, Mm -hmm. other things like that. It It was a fun little, you know, way of extrapolating and seeing its height in comparison. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that that's kind of tall. Yeah, pretty decently tall. It was a uh, big dick energy for uh, 1889 engineering. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> let's go. But then... um. But unfortunately, uh, well, I mean, I say unfortunately, but it held the title longer than the Washington Monument. The Eiffel Tower held the title for wa- uh, tallest man-made structure for 41 years until the Chrysler Building was completed in 1930. Ah. Another fun fact, the Chrysler Building only held that title for a year when the Empire State Building was completed (laughs) and stole it from them. It's really funny. uh, Even in like the same... I went down like a bunch of rabbit holes and like, it's just really funny to see like when a bunch of buildings are being built timeline like close to each other and they're Mm. always just trying to slightly edge each other out of like, I'm the taller building. No, I'm the taller building. Yeah, now the (laughs) tallest building is in Dubai. It's just it's it was a it was a really fun rabbit hole to go down if you ever want to see comparisons of just ever increasing tall buildings. I know it's wild. I think like <laughs> uh, on my time on Tumblr, you will never find my blog. Um, <laughs> I seen a GIF of like where it's like it just starts small and then it grows bigger and bigger and bigger just until like, like one of those exponential things yeah. where it just like starts getting ridiculous yeah but like they show like the silhouettes of the buildings mm-hmm. but it <laughs> yeah it's wild comparing like what was it the statue of liberty to uh the tower that's in dubai i oh, don't yeah. know what yeah, it's I bet called that's but insane yeah <laughs> i think the statue of liberty is only like Maybe a hundred meters tall, if that. Like yeah. It's, I mean, it's tall for what it is, but in yeah. the grand scheme of things, not the tallest thing out there. No, no, not at all. Let's see. All right, I'll get back on track a little bit. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta get from, gotta go back to France. Uh, just, just a couple more facts, or one more fact about uh, the Eiffel Tower to go along with some of these other facts I've bandied about. 
It is the most visited paid monument in the world. 6.91 million people ascended it in 2015. Oof. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, I was like, it's cool, right? But I don't know if I'd ever go see it. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of neat to go. Yeah, that's just, that's a lot of people. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you could probably find a time of day and a time of week that, like, you know, there's probably. I've heard it's pretty difficult. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that is true. Like, it's, you know, a monument of its uh, stature and Yeah, and everybody's grandeur. like, you're in the city of love. You have to go see the Eiffel Tower. Now, I, I didn't look so much into, like, uh, sort of engineering aspects mm-hmm. of the Eiffel Tower, but uh, I read some stuff about, like, you know, it's, it was pretty amazing engineering for the time. Like, they even uh, calculated how to build like all the struts and structure and everything so like it wouldn't like resonate in the wind too much and like all Mm. this other kind of cool stuff yeah so it's it's a pretty great engineering feat for the time but it's yeah it was also uh there were a lot of artists when it was first announced that they were going to be building it there were a lot of artists oh this is just pure engineering you know it's going to look ugly yada 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 but eventually a lot of them were won over or just kind of like eh you're just being a little too critical you know yeah Uh, Eiffel said the tower would symbolize, quote, not only the art of the modern engineer, but also the century of Industrand science. I tried to look up that word. I don't know if it's a a mistype or I couldn't find a direct translation for Industrand. I think he just meant industrial science. Yeah, that's what I assume. Anyway, back into the quote, in which we are living, and for which the way was prepared by the great scientific movement of the 18th century and by the revolution of 1789 to which this monument will be built as an expression of france's gratitude and that is the eiffel tower nice i'll just uh pretend i've been uh and i'll just like i'll go to king's island in where is it ohio <laughs> and i'll just close my eyes and be like, i'm in france <laughs> Even though it's like, what, like a quarter of the size or something? Half? It's not as tall. Did we go to the top of that one? I've been to the top before, but not the last time we went. Yeah, I think when we... I'm afraid of heights. Oh, God, I love... I love being Which is funny because I also love mountains. So <laughs> it's kind of two very conflicting desires. Bro, I will lean over... Um, <laughs> when we went to the... Uh, it was canyons, uh, like canyon land or something. Uh-huh. It was just a bunch of canyons. And I would just, I'd lean over the edge. Oh my gosh. No. We would uh, go on a hiking trail and then we would, uh, everybody was kind of going off on some rocks on the edge. But they were like big rocks. They weren't like going to fall or anything. And then I went and I'm just like looking down. I'm like, okay, yeah, if I, uh, <laughs> if I tipped over too far, I would definitely die. But that's cool. See, uh, even, like, if I've been to the Empire State Building a couple times, and, like, even with, like, the, those glass windows that there's absolutely no way to, like, mm-hmm. fall out of, I'm still just, like, slowly edging up to it and, like, gl- like just barely glancing over the edge and going, oh, that's cool, and then backing away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a nauseating feeling when I look, but it's exciting. I don't think, uh, I don't remember looking over the edge, uh, at the Empire State Building. I remember, uh, me and Tyler turning back and banging on the windows inside, uh, cause we were like freaked out and we were like pretending to be like, help us, help us. <laughs> and then one of the people that worked there yelled at us cause we got our handprints on the glass. <laughs> That's all I remember. 
Well, that's everything I have on the Eiffel Tower. Okay. Oh, I forgot. How I slipped. Uh, It's another random fact. I was going to bring it up earlier at some point, but I want to get it out there. Okay. Uh, The the French call it the Iron Lady or uh, La Dame de Fur. Nice. I didn't know that. Wow. I don't know how that slipped out of my notes, but... Sweet. And a a quick uh, detour into the French Revolution. Well, uh, shall we talk creme brulee? Yes. This this week uh, we're going to be talking about creme brulee. Mm-hmm. And we switched up the format a bit because we've had some closed door meetings where <laughs> we 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 discussed. Uh, I talk a little bit too much in the podcast, and I want to share. I want to share the stage a little bit more with my yeah. co-host here. And so we figured we're we're going to split up the the duties of talking about the history and so i need from, from now need, on monty's gonna wax us poetic on the history and backgrounds of our foods that we talk about yeah i need more uh spotlight um i'm a little narcissistic i don't know if you knew this we both are in many ways Shh, i'm not a narcissist you're the narcissist no i think <laughs> oh you definitely are don't even lie I don't even remember the last time I made that joke. I was like, God, you're such a narcissist. <laughs> but look, I, I needed a little more spotlight, I think. S- see, I'm being really big of myself here, sharing the spotlight. And you know what? It's really great. You're the one who suggested it. I, I felt bad. I was listening to the edits <laughs> and I was like, dang, I talk a lot. I need to share this a little bit more. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> just to kind of remind you when you're going on your tangents um, about, I don't know, like politics or Formula One or nerdy things, you just talk and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> for, the, for those that can't hear it, I'm giving my biggest shit-eating grin. Uh, I mean, I go on tangents sometimes, <laughs> but you guys just give me like weird looks when I do it. I feel like we're just, we're just we're just not on the same level as you. Yeah, you have I, different level tangents. I get a little intense, don't I? Well, I get intense about Formula One, so oh, yeah, fair. <laughs> Anywho, creme brulee. Speaking of tangents, <laughs> <laughs> creme brulee, lay it on us. Okay, so it is a dessert consisting of a rich custard base topped with a layer of hardened caramelized sugar. Yummy, Doesn't yummy. that sound yummy? Uh, it's normally served cold with the top of the custard becoming warm due to the sugar being caramelized before serving. While commonly believed to have originated in France, custards were a widely used recipe in the Middle Ages all across Europe. Its connection to being known as a French dish is most likely due to the oldest known recipe being found in the French cookbook, Cuisinier Royal et Bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie. What is it? The birds are part of the bourgeoisie or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> the dish vanished from French cookbooks until the 1980s. A version of creme brulee survived at Trinity College in Cambridge under the name Trinity Cream when it was introduced in 1879. The college coat of arms was branded into the top of the cream. Creme brulee was repopularized by Sirio Maccioni at his New York restaurant, Le Cirque. Le Cirque. And it's that also is, become a symbol of the 1980s self-indulgence in the food industry. <laughs> I know I was uh, I helped do some of the research on this, but I didn't bother to look this up. Is Le Cirque French for the circle? 
I assume so. Or is that like Cirque du Lay? Or does Cirque du Lay mean like circle to something? Bro, I took <laughs> French and I failed it. Um, oh, okay. So I'm not the person, not to, ask. The person to ask. <laughs> See, I, can... I took two years of Spanish, but French doesn't quite have the one-to-one like translation ratio that you would mm-hmm. think it might have with you know Spanish to French. They're both love languages. They have similarities, but they're not quite. Yeah, they're both Latin based as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, so it, it means the circus. It. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, uh, I looked that up because again, failed French. What was that? One of our neighbors beating on something. Interesting. As for the technique of creme brulee, it's usually served in an individual ramekin. Um, discs of caramel may be prepared separately and put on top just before serving, or the caramel may be formed directly on top of the custard immediately before serving. With... That one is my favorite, uh, method. With a butane torch. Woohoo! Fire! Yeah, uh, Joseph goes a little crazy with the torch. I love fire. He'll just, he'll just light it. I like to watch the flames burn. Oof. (laughs) like okay i'm a bit of a pyromaniac like i love matches i love the smell i love watching them burn but a torch is a bit much (laughs) i love torches also we're in a small apartment we don't need butane everywhere that's part of the fun Uh, the danger i live for the danger Butane smells really gross, though. Yeah, butane by itself, not uh, consumed by fire, uh, stinks. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Not great. Um, so there's two methods for making the custard. Uh, the more common creates a hot custard by whisking egg yolks in a double boiler with sugar and incorporating the cream, adding vanilla once the custard is removed from the heat. Alternatively, the egg yolk sugar mixture can be tempered with hot cream then adding vanilla at the end. In the cold method, the egg yolks and sugar are whisked together until the mixture reaches a ribbon stage. Um, then cold heavy cream is whisked into the yolk mixture followed by vanilla. It is then poured into the ramekins and baked in a bain-marie. Is the bain-marie the, uh, bain means bath, right? Yeah. Is that just where you put it on a sheet tray and pour some water on it? Yeah. Okay. So which which method have we used today in in, in your recipe? I'm, I'm assuming it was the hot method. No, we did the... Oh, we did the cold method. Well, we did a mixture of the hot and cold. Oh, we did a hybrid. We did the warm method. Yes. <laughs> or maybe we did do the hot. It doesn't really say if you cook, if you bake the hot one in a bain-marie. Well, we did the part of the cold method where we whisked the egg yolks and sugar... Until it got to the ribbon stage. Oh, okay. Um, this says the cold heavy cream is whisked in. We warmed up our cream. Uh, and then baked it. Kind of went for a more hybrid method. Yeah. Uh, unrelated to the baking that we did for the podcast, we, we did have a, a creme brulee the other day. Yeah, it was it for was, school. It was, it, was a, it was a more standard creme brulee. And, uh... I think it was the second creme brulee I've ever had. I wasn't a huge fan of it. After making this one, I might have overcooked it. Uh, yeah. Even overcooked, though, I don't know if... I mean, that probably would have affected the texture a bit. It was just the flavor. There wasn't really a whole lot going on. It was, it was no, a very really. standard 
Well, keep it simple, keep it safe, you know? <laughs> Mr. Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh... I would say the uh, one I had to make for school was a little practice for this one. I literally made it last week, I think. All right. Well, let's let's not dilly dally any further. We're, we're yeah. gonna we, we've we've kept it in the fridge. We're gonna freshly apply uh, some sugar and caramelize it. Did we mention it was coffee? Creme oh yeah, we, we we went a little crazy. We, we don't like to do just plain, you know, boring recipes. Like we we gotta crank it up. Mm-hmm. Did a, a coffee creme brulee, which is essentially, or well, coffee vanilla creme brulee. Yes, because I bought a vanilla bean and got the little beans, and I put them in there. Vanilla bean's expensive, by the way. Well, just one from Publix or Walmart, yeah. Like ten bucks. It was ridiculous. Yeah, you can buy bundles uh on amazon for like 14 dollars. Uh, i think next time okay. that's what i'm going to do and you can get more than just the madagascar kind of vanilla bean they've got different kinds oh okay and the only reason i know this is because our parents make a homemade vanilla extract but make sure to check out the website we'll have the recipe for our creme brulee on there yes it's essentially a standard creme brulee recipe we just added uh I think it was espresso powder and the vanilla bean. Yeah. Pretty much about the only modification we did. Yeah. I'm very excited. Me too. Let's go it, warm it up. It looked really good. It's going to be so delicious. All right. We uh, we recorded a nice little video of us uh, butane torching this bad boy. We'll yeah. We'll have that, that up on the socials. Yeah. Get it up on Instagram. Oh. And you know what's nice? We did two layers of sugar. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the first protein. layer kind of absorbed a little bit, which mm-hmm. we weren't expecting. But like, we got a nice little like dual layer action going. So that, that's that's the caramelized sugar. So oh yeah, sugar be... loves to absorb moisture. Oh yeah, we did a really, ooh, part of that ramekin's warm. <laughs> there we go. All right, broke through. Yeah, you always want to be careful uh, when. Making creme brulee, one, fire. Two, um, you'll want to immediately eat it after you caramelize the sugar because if you let it sit too long, then it's just going to get soft. Yeah, it just gets soggy. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer the, the fresh caramel layer. Uh, I'm sure if you did more of like a like a thicker, sticky caramel disc, like it mentioned yeah. as one of the options, that would probably work. But you wouldn't want to like caramelize sugar discs and then put it on there and let it set too long. Yeah, no. Just gonna oh, go for the smells amazing. inaugural bite. Yeah, we, we decided to split one. We weren't super hungry today, so no. we thought we'd share. I was dumb. I had moose earlier. Mmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it good? Now, typically, I'm not a huge fan of coffee, but I will eat coffee things. I and I will try coffee. The espresso in here is perfect. It's not too much. Not too little. It is the perfect amount of coffee. I'm going to try to get to the bottom because we noticed in one of our test ones that we did in a clear container or a clear glass ramekin, Mm -hmm. uh, the vanilla beans kind of sunk a little bit. So I'm going to make sure I get all the way to the bottom and, yeah, see some vanilla stuck down there. (laughs) Make sure I've got some in one of these bites. I mean, I'm not surprised, but... Mm. 
Yeah, one of the nice things about our job is that sometimes I get to take stuff home and they'll give me stuff so I can experiment with baking and I got peanut butter mousse. <laughs> uh, I did not bake anything with it, I just ate it because I'm a monster. Oh my gosh, that is such a nice stick. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good layer. It We did a good job, we didn't burn it. So it's got that good caramelized sugar flavor. It's a nice, uh, like, difference of texture. You go from that, you know, just thick enough caramelized sugar layer. It's got, like, some crunch to it. It's kind of warm. It's so creamy. My yeah. school one was not this creamy. Yeah, it's a, the, the creme brulee itself is very creamy. Kind of wish the vanilla was a little bit more pronounced, but it's not bad. Yeah, we probably, I mean, either less espresso or more vanilla, but... Yeah. Overall, I like it. It's very good. It is amazing. I was like, mm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of creme brulee after eating the one I made for school. But I mean, to be fair, that was my first time. This one is very good. I, it's almost making me regret uh, splitting it. The monster in me wants to have a whole one, but delicious. Perfect little dessert. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little thing you can make for your boo. Yeah, not too difficult. Uh, I watched Monty make th this recipe this week. Sorry, where Jeff is deciding to climb up the back of the couch like he's climbing the side of a mountain. You Good job, it. bud. You're at the top. Proud of you. You're king of the mountain. <laughs> I'm going to give you the rest, though, because that's like, uh, I've hit my sweet limit today. I'm done. <laughs> I can only have so much. My stomach is, it's, uh... Lucky me. It's like, please, no more cream. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's a not too complicated dessert. Fairly simple to put together. Like, it doesn't uh, take super long making yeah, it. <laughs> the, the baking process, like baking it in the oven in the bain-marie. Yep. How, how long did it bake in the oven? Um, about 45 minutes for the small ones and then close to 55-ish. 60 minutes in the big one that we have. Yes, yeah, it's not too bad. I think the actual just putting it all together process took maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes? Yeah, tops. probably. And that's because we were like even taking photos you know, while we were doing it, so... Oh, it definitely took a little longer with the photos, but like... Yeah, without... yeah just t 10, 15 minutes, you can yeah. make a few. Also, you, you be can keep very the, you... careful when you are uh, warming up your uh, cream. I was not paying attention. And um, it started to boil, uh, so there was <laughs> a yummy film on top, but luckily I didn't get that in there. Man, this is just so creamy. I feel like I keep trying to get the vanilla bean on my spoon and it just doesn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like stuck to the bottom of the thing. Oh, just lick it off later. Mmm, so good. Yeah, you can, you can use any size ramekins. I have different sizes uh one of my other small ones is at our parents house so i had to use the big one the small one and then a clear bowl that we had so we're calling you out mom we want a ramekin but no i'm just kidding <laughs> well i, I was gonna i was gonna get it back when i went home next week <laughs> i was like yeah just just keep it i don't care sorry i take that back mom i love you we love you <laughs> Have we mentioned that this podcast is mom approved? This podcast is mom approved. And slightly grandmother approved. Depends on how much cussing we do. Yeah. She's not a fan. <laughs> Sorry, Nana. We love you. All right. That's a, that was a very delicious dessert. Very good. Uh, I guess now it comes down to the rating. And uh, this is not even kidding. I think my third only creme brulee. Uh-huh. 
Oh man, what to rate it? What to rate it? Oh, you better watch him. He's a cream fiend. Jeff loves cream and coffee, so cream, coffee creme brulee is like too tempting for him. <laughs> this is dream. I'm going to continue my streak of probably ranking things way too high. <laughs> I'm going to give this a 9.5. It's Oh wow. It's delicious. It's yummy. It's got the perfect amount of coffee flavor. Vanilla could have been a bit stronger. We probably either needed one more vanilla bean or two we probably could have supplemented a bit with like just a, a smidge of vanilla extract. Yeah. I feel like the coffee may have overpowered it a bit. That, that's that's where the, that point five. it's not quite perfect. Yeah, I feel, oh, well. But it's, uh, we did a good job with the, the caramelized sugar on top. It's just, it's a, it's a nice little treat. Yeah. The vanilla bean was for like a regular creme brulee recipe. But I was like, yo, I gotta try this though. Yeah, I guess if we'd probably not used the espresso powder, we probably would have noticed the vanilla more. Oh, it smelled amazing, though. And that would have been really good, too, just a vanilla creme brulee. I bet that would have been delicious. Oh, yeah? But that that is my rating this week. Uh, give it a 9.5. You knocked it out of the park. Thank we'll, you. We'll be making this a little bit more often. Uh, this is a nice, oh, yeah. quick, easy dessert. It's hey, fun. Valentine's Day is coming up for us. <laughs> it's yeah, already it's, passed for you it's guys. It's already passed for you guys. Uh, Again, we are... Time is a flat circle. Depending yeah. on when you're listening to this, maybe Valentine's is coming up yet again. Yeah, you never know. Uh, we'll make that. Raise the roof. Ooh, I'll be your uh, pers- personal per- chef. Yeah, personal <laughs> baker on Valentine's Day, since I'm alone again. Getting a little Kevin Uxbridge on us. <laughs> You've been schismed. <laughs> uh, I guess for my rating, it, it would be a solid nine. All right, per- Proud of you. You gave you gave one of your recipes here a, a, a solid, solid score. I don't think you're being too hard on yourself. Yeah, tell I, us why. So I had a uh, um a lot uh lower expectations, I suppose, since I was thinking. I'm, obviously, something went wrong with the school one. I think it right. was it wasn't creamy. It was curdy. I su- well, not curdy, but um, it was a little little too thick, a little overcooked. Yeah, it was it was definitely leaning more towards like a custard versus a cream. Cream, yeah, cream. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of custards. Granted, I haven't had many. Yeah. So, I'm I'm open-minded, but Yeah. Definitely lean more towards a creamy versus custardy. Yeah. And the only reason there's one point knocked off, I I have to say, I just I don't like espresso <laughs> or coffee-flavored things. Oh, okay. The, so the espresso was kind of not doing it for you? It was a little too much. Fair but enough. the caramel helped kind of uh, not overpower it. Sort of balanced it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really creamy. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I can understand not being a coffee drinker. This might be a little bit overpowering. Me, as a coffee fiend, this is delicious. Yeah. I cringe at every single sip of coffee I have. I'm more of a tea person. I think we've figured that out. So next we should we should make a Earl, Earl Grey creme brulee. <laughs> yes. We'll call it the the Picard because oh. it's the most British French combination. Oh yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. 
Not that we're going to be serving creme brulee all the time at our bakery, but... I wouldn't mind doing this every now and then. I wouldn't man. mind selling the Picard. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're huge nerds. Well, I should put my creme brulee down so that we can get on to the outro here. Yeah. You didn't have a pop quiz for me this week, did you? No, I did not. <sighs> not that I ever study for them, because I never know what they are, but... Well, you can just look up random French words. <laughs> the teacher the teacher let me off the hook today. Yes, I did. <laughs> look, since, you, you since, had... we're since we're celebrating the Eiffel Tower, the teacher was kind. She has not given us a pop quiz today. And you had enough trouble pronouncing <laughs> things, as you do almost every week. Words are hard. Words are hard. Especially French words. Wee mm-hmm. wee. Oui, oui. Back at Eiffel Tower. You imbecile. Remy! <laughs> I cannot stop thinking about that TikTok. For any French l- listeners out there, we... Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. We, we apologize. It's it's okay, because we know that uh, you probably make fun of us with very oh. bad oh, yeah. English-American accents, so... For sure. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this thing on up. Thank you so much for listening to another episode If you really enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please consider donating to our Patreon. For less than what you might spend on coffee or a coffee creme brulee in a month, you can get early access to episodes, a shout-out on air, or other rewards that we're still trying to figure out for our Mm -hmm. VIP section. But come on over and support us if if, if you're able to. We'd greatly appreciate it. Pretty please. Also, don't forget our Apple Podcast Review Challenge. Once we hit 50 reviews, we will read our favorite kitchen stories on the pod. So just head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a preferably five-star review. (laughs) I guess if you give us a three or four-star, that's okay too. But really would just prefer them to be five stars. (laughs) But just give us your favorite, favorite kitchen stories. They can be like, you know, work kitchen stories, home kitchen stories, whatever. You know, we're not picky as long as the kitchen's involved. Yeah. Just uh, just let us know what kind of shenanigans you've gotten up to, and we'll share it on air. Yes, we, I would love to read some stories. We, we'd like to hear what you guys get up to in the kitchen. But that's that's going to wrap us up here today. That's that's going to do it for us. Should should we tease what's for next episode? Yeah, because um, I've suddenly forgotten. Ooh, what's a hint? To look it up. Oh, I got it. <gasps> Ooh! <laughs> I just looked. I'm excited. <laughs> How do we even hint? Holes. It's what pigs like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not sure if that one's going to make the cut. <laughs> oh, it better. It better make the cut. Yeah, something pigs like to eat. And other bread connoisseurs. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> But we'll we'll see y'all next time. Uh, Happy baking. Yeah, stay safe. Happy baking. Bye. Bye. Bye.